Welcome everyone to episode 181 of the Reds Unrestricted Podcast. I'm your host David Comerford and I'm joined by Liam Towerhead, Dan Club, and Jamie Barton for our mid-season player ratings. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So after Arsenal lost, shockingly, to West Ham on Thursday night Liverpool, our top of the Premier League, at the halfway point of the season, we are exactly 50% of the way through the campaign with 19 games out of 38 played. So as we've done, I think, in the past couple of years, we're going to do some mid-season player ratings. Um, obviously, pretty self-explanatory. But the one thing we should clarify beforehand is that we're only going to do players who've played more than a 1,000 minutes up to this point. And that's because it gives us enough of a sample size to really talk about them and to judge them. Um, I'll run you through that list of players now before we start. We've got... Allison, Trent, Van Dijk, Gomez, Canate, and Simakas. Then we have Endo, McAllister, Elliot, Sobersly, and Gravenberch. And then for the forwards, it's Salah, Nunez, Diaz, and Gakpo. Um, the one player who's been left out is Joel Matip. That's because he's out for the rest of the season through injury. So there probably isn't too much point, sadly, dwelling um, on him and his form up to this point. Uh, but the rest of them we will get into. We'll then get basically a combined score. Um from the four of us for each player. And that'll give us sort of a leaderboard of who's been the best Liverpool player this season and who has room for improvements in the second half. So we're going to kind of do these in chunks. Uh, so we'll start with the goalkeepers and the defenders. So I'll come to you first, Liam. So if you could read out your scores for me for Alisson, Trent, Van Dijk, Gomez, Canate and Simakas, please. Yeah, sure thing, Dave. So Alisson, 8.5. Trent, 8.5. Van Dijk, 9. Gomez, 7.5. Kanata, 8. Simicast, 7. All right. And same question to you, Jamie. So I've gone Alisson, 9. Trent, 8. Van Dijk, 9. Gomez, 8. Kanata, 7. And Simicast, 8 as well. And then to you finally, Dan, please. Yeah, I've got Allison as a nine, Trent also as a nine, Virgil van Dijk, 9.5, Joe Gomez as an eight, Ibu Kanate as a seven, and Costa Simicas as a 7.5. Interesting. Well, what we'll do is we'll start with Allison. I've given him an eight, I've given him uh, the lowest, um, which might sound a bit harsh, but I think I'm sort of influenced a little bit by the fact that he's not having to play hero ball every single game this season. Um, his stats still look good. He only made one error leading to a goal, which was obviously in that game against Man City when he played out the um, the loose pass from the back. Um, and he's prevented 3.4 goals already, which is the fifth best shot-stopping record in the league. So not quite as heroic this year um, as last season, but you can barely fault him. And that's probably reflected in your scores of 9, 8.5 and 9. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, uh, we've got second here. Uh, Dan, you've given him a 9, which is the highest score out of all four of us. Why is it that you've given him such a high mark? Because he did probably start the season maybe a little bit more slowly than than he's been playing recently. Yeah, no, 100% he did. Um, and he had a couple of errors as well, um, particularly on the season from a defensive standpoint. But I just think, I think for the most part, he's cut out those errors. I think defensively as well, he's been pretty strong, which is 
relatively surprising when you consider the fact that he is now so influential from the middle of the park for Liverpool at times. And albeit occasionally he does sort of stick out as the conventional right back, I think his impact on games of football and what he can do in terms of dragging us forward from a creative sense as well, it's just, it knows no bounds at the moment. And we've seen in sort of full tilt at times this season, the Fulham game springs to mind in particular. Obviously, he gets the equaliser at City away as well. So I just think his what he can do for Liverpool Football Club and, like I say, the influence he can have on the direction of travel of football matches right now is just outstanding, albeit occasionally in a negative sense when I mentioned the defensive errors he made early on. I think he's actually cut that out a lot and I think, as I mentioned, even getting back in to be a normal right-back, I think defensively he's been pretty solid of late. So, yeah, you're right. I don't think he started the season with flying colours, but I think of late he has just been absolutely phenomenal. So, yeah, for me, he is up there. And obviously, when we come to tally it up at the end, I would be shocked, stroke disappointed, were we not in the top two, stroke three, in terms of our players of the season so far. Yeah, I think, you know, the stats look really impressive for him, especially after that recent run of form. Um, 47 chances created, that's the fifth best in the Premier League. Eight assists in all competitions, um, which is the best record in the Liverpool squad. Five of those in the last eight matches and two goals too, obviously including um, an equaliser against uh, Manchester City and then that sort of instantly iconic goal against uh, Fulham too. Virgil van Dijk's next. Um, I also gave him a nine, similar to Liam and to Jamie. He's got an 81.8% aerial dual success rate, which um, according to Squawker is the highest that's been seen in the Premier League since the 2016-17 season. And he hasn't been dribbled past at all um, so far in the league. I suppose it makes sense to stay with you on this one, Dan. And then we I will, I promise, actually bring in Liam and, and Jamie at some point because you've given him 9.5. I mean, you've given him a higher score than me. So it's a bit of a strange question to ask. But why is it that that's not a 10? We obviously, we're talking there that the stats make him look almost perfect, really. Yeah, they do. And I think, you know, he has been nigh on perfect at the time of the season. He's back to his best. There's no two ways about that. And I think he knows he's back to his best as well. You've seen some of that old arrogance, if you like, come back into performances. It's to say, like, how dare you even try and take me on? He's been shrugging people off left, right and centre. And there's a clearance, I think it's in the Sheffield United game. And he sort of like hooked it away from the goal line. He turned around as to say, like, as if that was ever going to happen while I'm in town. I think he's been absolutely outstanding. I do. I think obviously Aerial, as you mentioned, brilliant. I think it, no one has taken him on yet so far this season as well in terms of ground jewels. He's just phenomenal again. I think the captaincy has played a large part in that as well. He's gone on back to what was the next level of Virgil van Dijk. He's just brilliant. Listen, tens are few and far between, full stop for me. But I can't now sort of pinpoint any moments whereby he deserves to be knocked down obviously descending off at Newcastle potentially you could argue that's obviously a bit of a blemish on his otherwise perfect record but yeah ultimately it boils down to have Liverpool conceded goals this season yes therefore he cannot be a 10. Yeah and I also think you know with that Newcastle one the thing that frustrated me was the fact that he ended up talking himself into an extra game um, suspension you know if you it's fair enough to disagree with the referee's decision. I know a lot of Liverpool fans did, but you know, you've know you got to kind of accept it once it's been made and walk off the pitch, especially as the captain. Um, so obviously, you know, obviously, you know, getting slapped with a heavy fine and an extra game was um, not his finest hour, but certainly ever since then, he's been pretty much um, immaculate on the pitch. Um, 
Joe Gomez next then. I only gave him a seven, which I feel like is a little bit harsh. You know, I, I do absolutely love Joe Gomez and um, he's playing a lot of football this season, which is really good to see. Um, and that's probably part of the reason why he's finally starting to develop something of a rhythm. Um, 12 starts, he's had just under 1,400 minutes, 24 appearances overall. Having to fill in, obviously, now is pretty much the emergency left back for what looks like most of January. Um, I'll come to, to you on him, uh, uh, Jamie, because you've given an 8 out of 10. I mean, it's been really good to see his resurgence this season, hasn't it? Yeah, I'll be honest. I, di- I didn't thought I didn't think that this was going to come, and, and not to kind of throw him under the bus or anything. But I, I really was wondering whether his, his his career at Liverpool was coming to an end. You look at that Napoli performance last season away at Napoli, uh, and that really just felt so dire, so like the injuries had just kind of taken him over his whole game. You could see he wasn't trusting his body, any of it. It, it, it just felt like the end, and I'm. I'm delighted, really, with with how he's turned it around. I, I, I think he's one of the success stories of, of this season so far, and it speaks wonders, I think, that this is a player who may have played his first game for Liverpool at left-back, but I doubt has ever played there much since. And yet our first two left-backs are out, and I'm still... I have my, a, a few concerns about it, but I'm still relatively confident going into probably a month of seeing Joe Gomez playing at left-back. Uh, he will score this season, and and I stand by that. And um, when he does, it's going to be it's going to be a good one. Um, that one which went just past the post at Arsenal was uh, unfortunate, but um, I'm sure we'll see more. Um, so yeah, it's just it just feels like a, a turnaround of kind of epic proportions. Really, we I think I think we all thought that Van Dijk would get back to the levels that that he has done uh, eventually. I don't think any of us thought Joe Gomez was going to do that. Yeah, obviously he's been through um, hell a few times with, with his injuries. Um, so it's one of the sort of um, most uplifting um, kind of narratives in this Liverpool season, really, to see him kind of um, playing so well again and hopefully securing a, a longer future at the club as well. Because uh, like you say, like you hinted at there, really, Jamie, there has been a bit of doubt about that. That just leaves Costa Simicas then as our last defender. I gave him a seven. Um, out of 10, which is the same as you, Liam, Dan, and Jamie went a little bit higher with 7.5 and 8. Why is it maybe that you didn't give him the same kind of score as those two? Obviously, we've seen him just pick up an injury um, and it's maybe been a little bit of a sort of slow start and then he picked up pace a little bit. Yeah, I definitely will go along with that assessment, David. I know he was, I suppose, in the sense thrust into the fall all of a sudden when Robertson got the injury in October, and I think for a couple of the early early appearances, um, like maybe like the Luton and Toulouse game spring to mind, you're kind of looking at him thinking it is like that you could understand maybe why he has consistently been second to Robertson uh, throughout his time at Liverpool. But I think to be fair, he has grown steadily into it game by game. Like huge impact in that match against Fulham, two assists that day. Um, I think he's what he had been like a much steadier pair of hands defensively, and like it's just a, a crying shame like for him and for the team as a whole. Like even even if Andy Robertson was back tomorrow, um, it's still a crying shame that Simicast that he'd finally gotten a decent run of games on the side, and he picks up like a really innocuous injury. This is going to 
rule them out, you're probably thinking for at least three months, possibly more. Um, like it, so very, very disappointing from the worst possible time for it to come. And just as he's really coming into his own in the team, and I suppose like the reason I've gone slightly lower than the other two lads is maybe those that first maybe two or three weeks after when he came into the team after Robert's injury, he he was he looked like a little bit rusty, not quite at the at the same thrust, not quite as defensively sound as Robbo, but thankfully he had changed that narrative before the unfortunate injury. He had, and um, it was just unfortunate. I mean, I saw a lot of people sort of criticising Saka for the challenge and things like that. Um, but I mean, that's the kind of tackle that happened so many times a mm-hmm. game. It was just. Like it was just completely accidental, and obviously, you know, the way it turned out was just, you know, the uh, combination of circumstances. Really, um, I just realised we did forget to touch on Canate. I mean, all of our ratings are pretty much similar there: seven, seven, eight, and seven. Um, for him, he's he's actually only missed four games through injury, which I felt like was more. Um, but part of the issue with him has been because he has been injured, he hasn't been able to get into a rhythm. He's only started eight of Liverpool's nineteen Premier League games so far but is obviously now going to have to play significantly more minutes in the second half of the season with Matip being out. Uh, we'll move on to the midfielders, though, um, and we'll do it the same sort of procedure as last time. So we'll come to you first, Sam, on Endo, McAllister, Elliot, Soboslai and Gravenberch. So Endo, I've got an 8, McAllister 6.5, Elliot 6.5, Soboslai 8.5 and Gravenberch 7. And Jamie? I've gone Endo 8, McAllister 6, Elliot 8, Sobersly 8, and Gravenberg 6. And finally, um, you, Dan, on those, please. Yes, I've gone Wataru 8, McAllister 7, Elliot 8, Sobersly 8, and Gravenberg 7. Interesting. Well, there's certainly one that jumps out there in terms of being a difference um, in the scores. Um, Wataru Endo, first off, um, eight across the board for him. Um, so no real disagreement there. 24 appearances, seven Premier League starts, six of those in the last eight matches with McAllister being out injured. I mean, Danny's absolutely surpassed all expectations that we could have had. I mean, obviously he was in and out of the team in the first place, you know, playing the Europa League and looking decent, but Certainly in the past few weeks, he's made a really big contribution for Liverpool stepping in uh, with McAllister being out. Yeah, absolutely. He has done, yeah. And I think one of the sort of the highest compliments I could possibly pay him, and I think Jürgen Klopp said something similar in the past few days as well, is the fact that we're going to miss him when he goes to the Asia Cup uh, over January and perhaps a little bit into February as well. It's a, it's a big blow because he's been absolutely brilliant. Um, and he's played the sixth role in a way which I think suits Liverpool, actually. I was... Not so much of the opinion, because I didn't really have an opinion of it before we arrived, but it felt like, because he does still feel like a stopgap sign, even to this day, and that's doing him a bit of a disservice, because I think he's clearly doing a very effective job for the team, and he'll continue to do so for the rest of the season when he comes back, and potentially next season as well. But I think there's clearly not a long, long-term future in Wataru Endo as our number six. However, what he's doing is very much in the mould of what Liverpool look like they want right now, because obviously when McAllister was fit and he was playing, he was playing as the six, a very technically gifted six. But I think Wataru's got a little bit of that as well. It felt like 
the type of player we were signing was just somebody who's going to be gnarly, who's going to win the ball back and give it. But he's got a lot. He's got a lot of ability. He's very technical. He passes through the lines really well. So I've been genuinely really, really pleased and really impressed with him. I think you touched on his start. It was a slow start. And I think Liverpool players down the years, there aren't loads that haven't had slow starts to Liverpool career. I think adapting to life, A, in the Premier League and B, under Jurgen Klopp has proven difficult for many. I think Wataru fell victim of that ever so slightly as well. But in recent weeks, and moreover, when we've needed him to sort of come to the party and come to the fore, he's done it. So that really knocks him up like a, a score or two, in my opinion, because had he been playing well, when we had McAllister and he was just getting drip-fed into the side every now and then. That's one thing. But playing well when we need you to play well from the start, that's a completely different story altogether. So I've been really impressed, really pleased, um, a little bit surprised, to be honest with you, because I was already more fool me, really. I was questioning the signing uh, earlier on the season when it didn't look like he was quite up to the speed, didn't look like he might, might take a lot of time to adapt to the pace of the Premier League and stuff like that. But no, he's been brilliant and he looks like, like I say, we're going to miss him and it looks as though he's the type of player and he's got the ability to do a job for us in the relatively long term. Yeah, um, a bit of a sort of James Milner successor and Alan Clough maybe drew that comparison right at the start when he first joined and that's kind of what it's felt like this season, which obviously, in, in certainly in Liverpool's terms, is quite a high compliment um, to be paying, really given the contribution he made to our success. Um, McAllister then, I mean, he's got the lowest combined score of any player so far, 25.5, um, if my maths is right. Um, I've also given him a six, just like you did, Jamie. Um, he started every game that he's been available for this season. Um, he's also picked up five yellow cards, which obviously saw him suspended against Brentford. I mean, as much as I agree with you to play devil's advocate here, and I don't know if this may be informed Dan's this thing and giving him a seven, he obviously has been played out of position. I mean, does that kind of thing influence your, your thinking or are you just kind of judging him based on how he's actually played in that six role and what his performances have been like? Yeah, it is, it is a tricky one. Um, but I think you have to basically judge him on, on the performances that he's put in, and uh, yes, he has been played out of position. But people people do forget that. <clears throat> excuse me. That um, at Brighton, he wasn't wasn't a million miles away from a six. And obviously, it's a very different role playing in a double pivot with with someone who's more defensively minded than you are in in Moses Caicedo. But he's not. He, he wears the number ten, obviously. But he's not, and never really has been, at least in the English game, and a proper number ten. And so. I think you have to judge him based on on his performances, and the, the signs are there. Uh, listen, I have no concerns about him. Uh, he's younger than Trent Alexander-Arnold, which blows my mind, um, and so he he will settle. And I would imagine that that will probably be slightly more advanced in, in a kind of eight position. And there are signs. Obviously, there's the screamer against Fulham. There's a fantastic ball over the top for Darwin Nunez uh, in the home game against the league game against West Ham. Um, but he has still been caught out and he is improving. But um, there are times when you see him diving into challenges that kind of informs the is it five yellow cards that you said, Dave. Um, there are times when you feel like he gets too tight to his man and they're very and they're able to turn him quite easily. Something that we were actually seeing from Endo early in the season, but he seems to have kind of cut that out a bit as well. Um, so in terms of just the pure performances on the pitch, and it, it is harsh. Because I do think he'll come good, but you have to just take what's in front of you. And for me, it's it's a, it's around a six for him. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, as we're recording this, McAllister is returning to team training. So we'll see kind of how he does in the second half of the season. We'll see how he does step him back into that sixth role with Endo, obviously going um, to the Asian Cup as well. Um, so sort of a key period for him coming up, definitely. Um, Harvey Elliott then, I mean, this is probably the one so far that has that has been the most kind of disparity um, between our scores. We've got um, 6.5 from Liam. I gave him a 6, which kind of feels a little bit harsh in retrospect. Um, just on the basis that um, he's only, he started two Premier League games. Uh, he's not completed either of those. Um, a lot, vast majority of his appearances come off the bench. I mean, 14 sub-appearances in the Prem, five more than anyone else in the Liverpool squad. Uh, he's obviously been unbelievable off the bench, which is probably why Dan's given him an eight and Jamie's given him an eight as well. Um, Liam, you're obviously closer to me there with a six point five. I mean, is your kind of take on it that he just needs to be doing better once he because he earns the opportunities to come into the team, and then it seems to be back to square one because he doesn't maybe have his best game when he is starting. I think that's precisely it, David. Um, because I heard the scores from the other two lads. I was beginning to wonder, was I a bit harsh only giving him a 6.5? I was maybe willing to upgrade that to to possibly a 7. But as you say, like he's had some brilliant cameos. Like the Palace game stands out. He got the winner in stoppage time. Even the, the other day against, Burn, against Burnley, I mean, he, he, like he did score. He did score um, and the AR, as they do, found some nonsense reason. I want to use a stronger word, but I'm going to wipe the kids listening um, to disallow the goal. But as you say, there's been games where he's made it, like he's come out for 20 minutes or it might be, makes it exactly the type of thing that we want to, earns a place in the starting 11, and then just doesn't quite grasp his opportunity. Like, it can be easy to forget he's only 20. So, like, usually, like, he's the same age as Gerald Kwanzaa, who's only in the, his first season at senior football, and, and Eddie Snow is probably into his, like, his fourth, and possibly fifth, fourth as a regular, I would say. Um, so you're kind of thinking, is he? Uh, it, you're looking to, maybe to just go to that ex, that extra next level where he's like, like pushing, like he's going to get his starts for the season into, into double digits. It's sort of I think it should be the minimum aim for him. And I think in order to do that, just show that a little bit more across a full ninety minute game rather than like it's great that he does. I mean, obviously we want him to be popping up like he did against Palace like, and making the difference as he, as we know he can. Um, but as you say, it's just a case of get, when he gets the opportunity, make the most of it. Don't have it just be this vicious circle of, I come on, I do well, I get a start, I don't quite make the most of it, I'm back in the bench again the next day. Dan, I'll give you a chance to sort of uh, respond to that if you like. I mean, eight, eight does feel like quite a high score for someone who, who like I say, has only... Um, started two Premier League games, but I suppose the man that we're talking about um, next in Dominic Sobosai plays a big part in that too. Yeah, he does, and Sobosai had an outstanding start to Liverpool career, so Harvey Elliott, it didn't really matter how well he played from the bench, he wasn't getting a look at it in the majority of starting 11s, perhaps some Europa League stuff, perhaps some Carabao Cup stuff, but when it comes to the Premier League, they were, those starts are always going to be hard to come by, and in many ways that remains the case, because the two positions Harvey Elliott can really play. People talk about him on the left side at eight and maybe even left wing, but not for me. Uh, the two positions you can play happen to belong to Dominic Sabozlai and Mohamed Salah. So that's very difficult company to be keeping, albeit Sabozlai's form has dipped a little bit of late. But I think Harvey Elliott has been outstanding. He's done, in terms of the job and, and the squad role we've asked of him, I think he's been superb. He's carried it out 
wonderfully. He's come on in games whereby we even need to kill a game off or we're chasing the game, whatever it may be. Even Chelsea, right at the start of the season, I thought he was brilliant. Another really impressive impact from the bench. He looks like he's found a way, and I know we spoke about this, perhaps one before one of the Europa League games recently. He's found a way of sort of analysing the opponents from the substitute bench and working out a way he can exploit weaknesses and where he can get at and what spaces he can pick up. And that's a strength in itself. Like, I know... You're right, you're both right. I'd like to see him do better when he starts games of football, of course I would, because they're big opportunities. And ultimately, he doesn't want to be a super sub. But for Liverpool Football Club and the job Jurgen Klopp has asked of him so far this season, I, I actually have eight stroke nine wrote down here. I don't think we could have asked any more of him. I really don't. And yeah, I'd like him to do better when he starts. I thought he was okay at Burnley for what it's worth from the start. It, a bit of a surprise start for me, personally. Like I say, I still don't envisage him starting loads of Premier League games just because of Sabozlai. But he's still so young and he's offering so, so much to this squad right now. I don't think we can belittle or begrudge how important Harvey Elliott's made himself in this squad. And yeah, I, I would easily give him an eight. I can't speak highly enough of what he's done so far this season. Yeah, you make a very strong case there. Um, in fairness, and um, maybe if if I'd heard that before, <laughs> I'd written it down. I might have given him a little bit higher, but yeah, um, I think that, like I say, that's been the one where there's been the most uh, variation so far. Barely any on Sabasai, eight, eight, eight point five, and eight again. Um, I suppose it is worth just touching on him briefly, given that he has been, you know, so impressive. Um, I'll come to you, Liam. You give him the highest score. Obviously, he's faded a little bit recently, but you know. Do you put that down to just fatigue, just you know, natural fluctuation in form, and you expect them to kind of get back to those levels we were seeing in sort of August, September, October? Yeah, I think very much so. I mean, I know he had maybe those two or three games earlier in the month where he he didn't look like the zombies I was seeing during the autumn, but I think I would probably be um, speaking for plenty of Liverpool fans and saying that he's exceeded my expectations. Up to, the, up to this point um, like the one thing I, I probably was a little slightly critical of up to recently was his output in terms of what like, I think before the start of December he had two goals which you kind of think for as good a player as he is um, and, and for the position he plays you're thinking perhaps he should have had more than that now he's gotten another two, two this month um, and as we know he doesn't do tap-ins so um I guess what maybe that maybe that sort of clouds the like the like the, the cold numbers a little bit, but um, as I say, it also would be unfair to kind of look at him and say he's got four goals. That doesn't look like much. Like anyone who's seen him play, like he's been called like the like the Gerard Regen, and um, I I'm slow to kind of use that, those terms when he's only been here for half the season, but at the same time, it's not preposterous that people are, are sort of making that play wider just in terms of his style of play, the as I say, the worldies, the short number, the position. Um like if he if he keeps going as, as he has over the first half half a season, like he's already making sixty million look like something of a of a steal, which is um which which takes some doing even in this day and age. Um I probably if you asked me this about Therese, well, I probably would have given him a nine. It's only that he had those couple of games, like the Man United one in particular, where like, he looked a pain shadow of his former self. But yeah, overall, he's been majestic. Yeah, he's um, naturally had to like play a little bit less football, given the load he was taking on. Um, played 90 minutes in his first 10 Premier League games, but only three of the last nine. He was on the bench for the first time against Burnley. 
and you know you mentioned the output there Liam four goals and three assists up to now um, three of those goals absolute worldies as well um, I, the one thing I would say is when he isn't having the best game on the ball I do think that he works incredibly hard out of possession I mean Arsenal was a, a good example of that really when um, I think he was he was getting back into his own final there to make challenges on Martinelli and that kind of redeems it quite a bit for me. You know, you've got to find a way to impact the game positively. And I think he's very good at doing that, um, even when he's not having his best day going forward. Last midfielder then, Ryan Gravenberch, three sevens and a six. So naturally, I'll come to you, Jamie. Um, more to come from him in the second half of the season then? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think if, if you had gone into a coma on the last day of the season, uh, last season, and you'd woken up from it just before, I think, Wolves away. And someone had told you, we'd sign these four midfielders. Which of them didn't get a pre-season? I think you could see pretty much straight away which one that was. And that's Ryan Gravenberg. And I mean that from a, a, a tactical perspective and also just a fitness perspective. I, it's been a while since I've seen a, a Liverpool player look as, as goosed as he does on quite a consistent basis and and obviously he he missed the the game the other day with 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 doms with fatigue so that's that's no secret and i think also just from a tactical perspective as well you you can see individually he's a very 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 exciting player and i'm and i'm very much looking forward to seeing certainly the second half of the season but i'm i'm already in his case thinking about next season i think that could be really really exciting when you get a full pre-season under his belt learning to play in the way that 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 we want to, having more kind of uh, consistency in midfield with a, a number six who, who will play beside him most games, I think will really help him. Um, and so, yes, this this season, I, th- I think there's definitely more to come and, and the quality is, is, is clear for everyone to see. I think it's particularly shown in the Europa League. Uh, he's, he's got a decent goal output for the number of minutes he's played. He's, he's so comfortable on the ball. He, he when, when teams are sitting in with a low block, you sometimes look to him to be the one to, to break them down. And he, his close control is fantastic. He's brilliant on the turn. So there are so many, so many qualities. Uh, and I just think it's probably only a matter of time until we see that more consistently. I think it just needs a, a pre-season probably. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, you know, this is someone who came in pretty much on deadline day. Um, at the end of the transfer window, you know, you mentioned it there, seven Premier League starts. He hasn't completed 90 minutes in any of those, which points to what you're saying. And I agree with that. I think he does have the habit of fade in the second half quite a bit. Um, he also probably needs to look after the ball a little bit better. He's got the lowest passing accuracy of any Liverpool midfielder at the moment, 81.5%. I really enjoy watching him because I do think he's very proactive. I think he takes risks and I love the way especially he sort of receives the ball and always looks to turn but he needs to maybe pick his moments and pick his passes a little bit better. Um, and he is obviously still quite a young player. You know, decently experienced from his time at Ajax, but hopefully that's something that he kind of develops over his career where he sort of knows to look after it more in certain moments because, you know, on his bad days, it can be a little bit frustrating is one thing I would say. Anyway, let's move on finally to the attackers. We've got Salah, Nunez, Diaz and Gakpo. Jota didn't make the court for minutes because he's obviously been injured recently. So, again, I'll come to you first, Liam, on those four, please. Okay, so Salah, 9.5, Nunes, 7.5, Diaz, 6, Gakpo, 6. And same question to you, Liam. Sorry, Jamie. I've gone for Salah, 8, Nunez, 7, Diaz, 6, and Gakpo, 6. 
and finally to you, Dan. Yeah, interestingly, man, exactly the same as Jamie's. Uh, Salah eight, Darwin Nunes seven, Diaz six, Gakpo six. Right, so we'll start with Salah then. Um, quite a bit of variation in terms of Liam giving him a 9.5. Only an eight from you, Dan. I mean, let's look at the stats. 16 goals, eight assists in, in 26 games. Um, obviously, he's got, I think he's got seven more than the guy in second place for goals. And he's right up there for assists as well. It feels a little bit harsh, but what would your basis for that be? Now, if you just said all that and asked me to give him a number, and I've not watched him play football this season, I'd obviously have to agree with Liam. However, unfortunately, I've watched him play football this season, and it, it's just, it's not that, is it? Listen, Mohamed Salah is, you don't need me to sit here and talk about superlatives from Mohamed Salah. The guy's a genius. World-class footballer. His numbers remain a constant, absolutely phenomenal. And some of his goals this season have been brilliant. Some of his moments this season have been brilliant. However, game to game, week in, week out, has he been any even close to his top level? No, not for me. In fact, at times, some of his goals have masked quite poor performances. I think the derby in particular falls into that category. I think there's a couple more as well on the way whereby he's not been at it. If anything, he's been off it. He's been losing possession. He's been wasteful. He's been lots of negatives, essentially. But he comes up with the goods eventually. And I know. The butt there is a big old butt and the numbers are big old numbers. But I just think at times it hasn't hurt us too much. I think the Man United game is one where you would look at it and go, if you were anything close to your A game, maybe we get a different outcome there. I think you mentioned Sabozla was really poor in that game as well. I think the two of them as sort of a combined effort down that right-hand side of the triangle, which is often so effective, just nowhere near at the races. Really sloppy in possession, touch was off, etc., etc. But I think Salah for Mohamed Salah has fallen way below his usual level of performance. Again, numbers, brilliant, sound, happy days, keep doing that. But I think in terms of in terms of what he can bring to this football team, I think he's been short of it too often at times this season. Well, there's the clip for the Twitter with all the context removed. Um, just, <laughs> yeah. just the last sort of 20 seconds there. Um, no, but um, I, gave him, I gave him a nine um, just on the basis that I think the numbers are sort of borderline 10 out of 10, but I, I kind of agree with you in that the performances, there's been too many where he's been a little bit off it, so he doesn't necessarily get right up there for me. Um, I actually gave Darwin Nunez a six, which is um, lower than you gave him. I mean, let's see what his uh, numbers are for this season. He's got eight goals and seven assists in 27 matches. Um, he's obviously just coming off a 12-game goal drought. He's just scored to, to end that against Burnley. I mean, why uh, have you given him a, a 7.5, Liam? I mean, that, I'd say that is like a little bit on the kind side, but I suppose, you know, compared to some of the other attackers, he probably does have sort of the second best numbers there. I think, sorry, again, sort of going on what Dan said, but sort of flipping that equation, he's probably been one where, like, if you just heard the bare stats, like eight goals, seven assists, at the minimum stage of the season, you're thinking, yeah, that, that's not awful. That, that's not awful. So that's, I mean, okay, it's not mind-blowing, but so it's not calamitous either. I think it's more, and it's, it's a topic which has been discussed to death. It's just a bit more than when you look at what his output could be for the chances he has had. Like, it's probably no surprise that out of all the different players, he's the one that's underperforming the most on his XG. 
But you look at Mormon saying the deluded one is obviously the one which stands out. Um, yes, he can be infuriating in that regard. But what I love about him, and I think Manny had a bit of this as well, is that he could miss four chances in a game. And he never shies away from it. He's always looking for the ball. He's always getting himself into positions to say, right, give me the ball. I will score. I will I will go go again and try and try again. Other players in that scenario, it would be very easy for them to say, it's not my day. I don't want anything to do about it. Um, and they're always like just waiting for the manager to take them off. That's not Darwin's style. Like He must be a nightmare to play against for defenders. Like His, you know, his running, just that whole... Just, just his aggression, everything about him, like, and I think it's the slander he gets from the media in general is appalling. Like, we compare it to I don't want to turn this into a tribal thing, but I'm sure there are other players you look at that, um, you know, probably play as, as often as him and are also attackers and yet have no nearness. I mean, Jack Greenish didn't score a goal to December this season. And that's not just in the Premier that's in all competitions. And he cost 100 million. Fair enough, he might not be number nine. But at the same time, you're thinking that he's getting off scot free. And then like, every time Darren Nunes misses, or maybe doesn't take quite like, a half chance, you have every last idiot in talk sport going on saying, oh, he, like, that he's rubbish, he's hopeless, he'll never be the, or the player Liverpool need. Um, he does need to be more clinical. I think that's beyond dispute. But I think he is the most unfairly maligned player in the Premier League right now. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting because there's a big contrast between how Liverpool fans perceive him and the patience that they've shown and obviously the external perceptions. One thing I would say on Nunez, I mean, I've given him obviously quite a low score there is. I think there's been a lot of glimpses of improvements in his all-round game. I think we saw um, it was against West Ham. Um, didn't get a goal, so he was frustrated, but he played really well every other aspect, which you weren't really getting from him last season. Um, and even against Burnley, I think um, there's actually a moment just before the goal with of some you know really good hold up play, and then you know the, you know the move goes on a little bit, and then he's there to finish it on the edge of the box, and that is really encouraging. And I think if he can combine that with a more consistent output in the second half of the season, if we if we come to do these again in May or June or whenever it may be, then that that score would um, obviously go up quite a bit. So for the last two players, it's literally just sixes across the board. So, I mean, we don't need to dwell on that too much. I mean, I'll just come to you then, Jamie, to finish. Was there any sort of hesitation in terms of giving those two sixes or was it clear-cut six out of ten seasons from both of them? I actually had Diaz as a seven to start with um, because of how I thought he actually started the season really, really well. He obviously gets uh, a goal against Chelsea. I think, does he get our first two goals of the season, I think? because I think he gets the, our first against Bournemouth as well. So he he did start very well. But to be honest, I think his form recently has been, I don't want to use the word alarming, but certainly a, a little concerning. Um, you begin to wonder whether the, the injuries have, have really taken it out of him. It's tough because he, I think he just needs rhythm. And I don't see where that's going to come for him when we've got five... Uh, attackers of, of that level you, you almost feel like he needs 10 games in a row uh, or, or eight to play in 8 out of 10 or something in a row to, to really kind of assert himself and I don't see when that's going to come particularly with, with Klopp trying Nunez on the left as, as, he, as he has done 
And so it's it's a really tricky one. I, I'm, look, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and write him off because the form that he showed when he came in and for, for 2021-22 uh, was really, really exciting. And so who am I to, to say that he, he hasn't got a Liverpool future? That's ridiculous. But I really would like to see a lot more from him going into the second half of the season. And hopefully, hopefully um, he can find the kind of rhythm that, that brings the kind of more of a goal threat out of him because what we've seen so far to me at least this season feels more like a kind of a wide midfielder than than one of the kind of a left winger in the in the vein of someone like Sadio Mane or, or Darwin Nunez when he plays off that left hand side yeah only five goals and two assists in 23 games it's not not really good enough up to this point obviously we know there's been um unimaginable stuff going on off the field and things like that which we do need to take into account as well that sort of goes without saying but certainly just in terms of what we're actually seeing on the pitch and definitely you know improvement needed and then yeah Gakpo seven goals three assists in 24 slightly better but again you know there's been too many games this season where you've needed more from him so I think six is fair for both of those so we will leave it there we've gone through all the players now and so I'll publish sort of a full list I'll I'll put a, a graphic together with the entire leaderboard and post it on the Red Sun Restricted Twitter page but um, just to quickly run you through the top three and bottom three, we've got the bottom three, first of all, Diaz and Gakpo are tied uh, for last place. They got 24 overall, and then McAllister with 25.5. And then the top three, um, third place, well, joint second, actually, um, Allison and Salah, 34.5. And then Van Dyke, 36.5, um, is our player of the season so far. So thanks very much to Liam, Jamie and Dan for joining me. Thanks very much, everyone, for listening as well. We'll be back with our next episode after the Newcastle game uh, for the match reaction there. So make sure you join us for that. But until then, take care.